0: Episode 20 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on January 9th, 2017. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. This week, the Fractured Uprising is, well, fractured. I'll tell you Bioware's response to the current situation with this uprising. There was a producer's live stream on January 5th. I've got you covered with what they covered. And finally this week, I'll begin my Knights of the Eternal Throne story deep dive starting with Chapter 1, Wrath and Ruin. And with that, it's time to make the jump to light speed and check out the State of the Old Republic. Well, welcome to episode 20 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, have another great show lined up for you today. First, as always, let's review some announcements for the Old Republic. And just as a reminder, there is a character transfer sale happening right now, transfers are available at the cost of 90 cartel coins, down from a 1,000. So if you've been wanting to shuffle some of your characters around, now is the time. This will end on January 18th, so time is running out. In fact, I just took advantage of this uh, uh, today, as a matter of fact. So I was looking at one of my characters that I had created from the Dark versus Light event, and I don't know if you remember that when the event launched... Uh, it was before they introduced the whole pack viewer. So when you got an achievement and you were rewarded with those dark versus light packs, when you opened the packs on that particular character, all of the items in the packs were bound to that specific character, which was kind of annoying, right? Well, that was fixed once they introduced uh, the whole pack viewer, but the Items you got from your previous packs. No, nothing was retroactive. So it turned out that on this one particular character, I had gotten the Revan Reborn, uh, upper body and the Revan Reborn, uh, supplemental, uh, armor. So, and those, those were the crates. So I had two of the three. I was missing the lower body. Uh, but it turns out that on one of my other dark versus light characters on a different server, I had actually gotten the Revan Reborn lower body, and it was after they introduced the pack viewer, so that item was sitting in the, uh, item stash on this other server, so I took my, uh, dark versus light character from, from the Shadowlands, I transferred it to Harbinger, went into the item stash, grabbed the lower body, and then transferred back, and so now I have the complete set of the Revan Reborn armor on a single character and then I suppose at some point I'll probably add it to my character collection so it'll be available to each and and every character so that's how I took advantage of the character transfer sale that was that was available to me so but again it ends on January 18th so time is running out for that and speaking of time and running out another life day has come and gone so hopefully you got everything you wanted from it If not, of course, it'll be back next year for my part. I got the Wampa Cub, and I picked up a Life Day Orb regen. I like those regen items. I wanted to get the vestments, but I didn't have enough parcels for that, so I guess I'll be back next year throwing snowballs at everybody I see one more time. Uh, The fifth anniversary is happening right now for Star Wars The Old Republic, and the vendor is going to be around until January 17th. So if you haven't gotten your rewards, you have another week to do so. So that's it. All right, that's all of the announcements I have for, for this week. Let's slice the hollow nut and go over the news. So the first thing I want to do is just talk about sort of criticizing the game. And before I get started with the news, I want to talk a little bit about this and sort of my being critical about it. And I was Uh, I like to read some of the other blogs and and some of the other content produced by folks in the community, and Shintar from Going Commando summed up my thoughts on this best with her thoughts when she wrote, While I'm not afraid to offer criticism when I feel that things aren't done well, I do prefer to, to try to maintain a positive tone overall. I wouldn't be playing the game if I didn't still enjoy it. And that's exactly how I feel. I can only be so down and negative about things, and at the end of the day... I'm still playing, and more importantly, I'm still paying as I maintain an active subscription to the game. So, in short, I think I try and take the K2SO approach to the game, and K2 tells it like it is, but he's also committed to the cause. So, like, if I worked for BioWare, I'd be the guy in the meetings that says, you know, the chance of players hating RNG for gear is high. It's very high. But I wouldn't storm out and quit, right? I would continue to do my part to carry out the mission. So I don't know. I just felt like they stay that because I think I felt I listened to, to last week's episode. And it was a little, little down and out. So I'm going to try and up the, the tempo, up the tone a, a little bit about that. So, uh, and I, my first attempt at sort of some non depressing news, so to speak. Uh, there apparently is an issue going on. Well, you probably know about this called the, with the fractured uprising. And there is a known bug slash exploit. And I saw this posted by Volk. Uh, one of the YouTubers and Twitch streamers who apparently got this from the folks over at Corellian K- Run Radio. Great podcast that you should listen to in addition to this. So this isn't from the official forums, but it is an official response from BioWare on the current issue with the fractured uprising. And they, and this is what Eric, I believe it was Eric Musco who said, first, Thank you and everyone else who reported the bug taking place in the Fractured Uprising. We are aware of it and are investigating the issue and its impact. As for action that could be taken, we will reiterate our stance on exploits. Any bug which a player can use to gain an advantage can be viewed as an exploit and could lead to action being taken against their account. So to answer your questions... What are some steps players can do in order to keep themselves safe, especially since this particular exploit happens so fast? Let the group know ahead of time that you don't want to participate in any exploits to go through the uprising as intended. If an exploit occurs, report any offending individuals. Alert Bioware privately of this issue. We are already aware in this instance and are investigating. And then there was a question that was asked, uh, would Bioware consider removing Fractured from the rotation of Uprisings until it is patched? And Musco replied, this is a great suggestion. We are looking into this as part of our investigation of the Fractured Uprising. Hope that answers your question. I hope you guys have a great stream. So, since this is a bug slash exploit, I am not going to go into details on how to reproduce it. If you've run the Fractured encounter recently, then you've probably participated in it in some fashion. How big an impact is it? Let me say this. It dumbs down the final encounter in the Uprising and essentially turns a two-boss fight into a one-boss fight. It makes this one encounter easier, and it speeds up the run. You don't earn any more or less CXP as a result, though. So in this case, I would hope that Bioware would be somewhat lenient here. People who are new to the Uprising and aren't uh, a specific role may not know what's going on. And you can easily be an innocent party at least one time. So it's hard to avoid because a lot of people are running this instance right now. It was already popular because it was so short, but even when you queue up for a random now, there's a good chance that you'll end up in the Fractured Uprising. So overall, you're not farming loot. You're not really farming CXP that much faster. I think the chance of failure without the exploit is also pretty low. That said, I will not be running it until it's fixed and we will see what happens. So if you have been participating in runs where the exploit is used, be careful because they are looking at this and we'll just have to see what happens. So hopefully, you know, they don't, uh, ban any accounts here. They, you know, maybe they'll remove some CXP ranks from some people. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but it 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 it's one of those things that's un, unfortunate uh, that 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 it exists. I mean, because it's 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 not a bad uprising. It was it's it's fast. It's not that hard without going without having to do this. So if you're running the fractured uprising, just be careful because BioWare apparently does look at this and consider this to be an exploit of some kind. All right. So on to the producers' live stream, and yes, on January fifth. Eric Musco, Charles Boyd, and Ben Irving held a producer's live stream, and, of course, people complained because it didn't provide much in the way of new information. Now, to be fair, this live stream popped up out of the blue. We knew there was one coming towards the end of January. In fact, it's scheduled for January 26th. This was just extra, and at the beginning of the stream, they did say they just wanted to come out and say hello and wish us all a Happy New Year. And, you know, sometimes it's good Just to come out and say, hello, we're still here, we haven't forgotten about you, and we're thinking of you. It seems like a small thing, but it actually helps. I mean, if you want to complain about the stream, complain about the fact that they didn't give anything away. Now, that is worth complaining about. And and one thing I noticed is that they're always wearing cool Old Republic t-shirts. You know, in-game stuff is cool, but what can we do to get some of the real SWOTOR swag? I mean, I remember... When the game first came out, Jinx, the company Jinx, used to sell stuff. They used to have, uh, t-shirts related to Star Wars the Old Republic. In fact, I have one t-shirt from there, and I, and I have, uh, one that they gave out at the Guild Summit. But I'd love another t-shirt or two, uh, for, for the Old Republic. So, and you know, they're always wearing Sotor t-shirts, uh, on these streams, and I always find myself wanting one. So, but as far as the live stream goes, here is what they covered. They talked a lot about game. Update 5.1, which we know is coming on January 24th, it's going to be bringing us five new uprisings, which we knew, but they kind of went into a little bit more detail about what each of these uprisings is going to be. So first is a trench runner. This is takes place on De Nova. You need to defeat some rogue uh, Republic troops. There's another one called Destroyer of Worlds, and this is on McKeb And apparently there is a rogue Jedi who is uh, awakened some ancient monster and we now need to go escort a giant bomb down someplace to blow up this monster actually sounds sounds kind of cool another one they mentioned was landing party which takes place on Rakata prime and there are some leftover forces from zakul trying to rebuild a star fortress and it has a normandy beach like landing sequence uh Another one is called "Divided We Fall," and this is on Coruscant, and Coruscant security forces are trying to blow up the Senate and blame you for it. Now I've seen the Republic Senate in action, so you know what? You want to assign the blame? Go ahead. You know, just sign me up and let's let's get rid of these these, these bureaucrats because I, you know, they don't seem to be doing the Republic or the galaxy much good. So I I don't know. Maybe we'll 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 see what happens there. Uh, next one is called Trial and Error, and this is on a space station. They said it has sort of like a lot of mad science going on here and experimenting with the Rack Ghoul Plague. They said this one's gonna be kind of cool, and there's something you can do here that they've been wanting to do for a long time. I'm guessing we turn into Rack Ghouls and get to fight as them, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. They, they certainly didn't, they, they did not want to uh, spoil it during the stream. So those are the new uprisings that are coming. Let me just say this about uprisings. I like them. I like them a lot, but here's the thing, and yes, there's always a but, right? But, you know, uprisings are like this amazing appetizer that's being served as an entree right now. And in the form of an appetizer, it's great. But as the main course, not so much. And that's why I think people are a little bit down on these at times. Speaking for myself, I like them in small doses, run one or two, then move on to something else. And it just seems like to get more CXP out of them, you need to focus hard on them and just chain them one after the other after the other. And that's not really ideal. I don't think it's a great way to sort of consume and, and enjoy these uprisings. So like I said, you know, it's really like, you know, an appetizer, but we're being served as, as an entree and we need a new entree. We need a real entree here. And I don't think uprisings are it. All right, so also coming in uh, 5.1 are Master Modes uh, difficulties for all 25 chapters for both Knights of the Fallen Empire and Knights of the Eternal Throne. I'll be curious to see how hard these are and what type of gear slash companions are needed. Eric Musco stated that in the early play test with Max Gear and Max Companions, they were hard. They were very hard. So we'll have to wait and see, especially with Galactic Command Progress being, being what it is, which is say slow, and we might be a ways off before actually having the right kind of gear to take on these master mode chapters. So we'll we'll know more when they're released on January twenty fourth. And then they talked about the Galactic Command end game gearing changes, and of course we're gonna get the new currency, which are the command tokens, which will be earned from command crates, and they will be legacy wide and retroactively granted. Uh, different tiers will get different amounts of tokens, and they're still trying to figure out the exact numbers. There's also another new currency, unassembled components, and these are rewarded from participation in war zones, i.e. PVP. They will be earned at a flat rate, just win slash losses, and then they still need to figure out how to balance the earn rate from war zones versus arenas. And then there's another new currency, unassembled gear pieces, and these are earned from ops bosses or purchased With the unassembled components and the last boss of an operation will have a guaranteed chance to drop a specific unassembled gear piece, while other bosses have an increased chance to drop these gear pieces as you get further into the operation. Now, unassembled components can be turned into unassembled gear pieces. Unassembled gear pieces combined with command tokens will give you a tier set piece uh, from the vendor. And they estimate it'll take about two to three command crates of command tokens, uh, to have enough to, to, to get a, get, to, to get a piece. So yeah, so every two or three command crates, you should have enough tokens, uh, to go ahead and get a piece of gear, assuming you have the unassembled gear piece. Uh, the vendors to purchase the gear, of course, will be added to each, to the respective fleets on January 24th. Uh, one of the things I said about the command tokens is there, there there's going to be the possibility that you will be able to also use these to buy CXP boosters for a lower CXP tier for your alts. And they were also looking at other ways uh, to sort of boost CXP, such as legacy perks. Um, so I'm not quite sure what they mean when they say you can use buy a CXP booster for a lower CXP tier. Uh, I'm guessing that if I'm on tier two, I'll be able to buy a boost that works while you're on tier one. And if I'm on tier three, I can buy a boost that only works on tier two. That way you can't buy a boost for your current tune, or at least for the current tier that you said tune is working on. Like I said, it's, it, it wasn't cl- clear to me how this will work. Um, you know, the command tokens themselves are bind on legacy. So we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, one other thing they said was operations are not giving enough CXP currently, so they're looking to bump those up. So one thought on CXP and whether or not something is giving out enough, it would be really helpful if the developers were to come out and say what the expectations are for achieving command ranks. And by that, I mean, how long should it take to complete tier one? How long should it take to complete tier two and so forth? In other words, hey, two months Into the expansion, we expect you to be all the way through Tier 1. We expect you to be halfway through Tier 1. We expect you to be halfway through Tier 2. I think that would be very helpful to know. I mean, we can infer this by looking at how much CXP is needed to get to each rank. That that we know, and so we can kind of math it out a little bit and figure out just how long we think it's going to take to do that. But that doesn't mean that's really what they... Expect how they expect it to work. In other words, maybe it's too slow. Maybe it's right on target. I I think it's too slow. And I think most players, you know, when asked are going to say it's too slow. And so, well, I guess where I'm going with this is I understand that operations are not giving enough CXP, but I don't know that anything is giving enough cxp right now and i you know i think in terms of giving feedback this kind of information would help would good to know like hey this is where we think you should be this is how many players we see we see the majority of players are are at this point or have exceeded this point or we see yeah we see that you know we think you should be here and the majority of players aren't even close to that point yet we just don't know at least i don't know so uh, i guess my feeling is you know it's not just ops but all of it. I'm pretty sure I'm behind the expected curve, but it would be good to know uh, where they think players ought to be right now. So that's it for the this live stream. As I said, the next live stream is scheduled for January the 26th, and that's when we will get info on what's coming next after 5.1. And let me try and set some expectations based on what I think is going to happen. Whatever they announce for 5.2 probably won't be released until sometime in March. I'm not sure they're going with the monthly releases this time around. And that's the one thing I liked about staggering the chapters in Knights of the Fallen Empire. Because it guaranteed a little something new each month. And it also guaranteed something good in the form of a story chapter. And speaking of which, I now want to get into the Knights of the Eternal Throne story chapters. And do a chapter by chapter deep dive. So here we go with chapter 1, Wrath and ruin so when the story begins it's been several months since we quote defeated Arkin and we now find ourselves heading to voss because valen is invading and, and you know from the standpoint of the alliance we're not sure why she's targeted this peaceful world of minimal strategic value for the eternal throne but voss is in trouble and it needs our help and so we are on our way to assist and as we'll find out later, it turns out that Balin has been looking for Senya and Arkin, and she's tracked them to Voss because Senya's taken Arkin there, uh, to see if the Voss Mystics can help heal him. So when we enter Voss space, it's, we're in the middle of a big spa- space battle between the Alliance fleet and the Eternal fleet. I wouldn't say that we're winning, but it's clear that we're now better able to handle the Eternal fleet than before. I mean, we're certainly able to take them head on. We see some of their ships getting destroyed and so forth. The cinematic of the battle is 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 quite beautiful and very reminiscent of the opening space battle from Revenge of the Sith. Uh, we bring Mandalorians to the fight and we sort of give them a nice pep talk and then it's off to battle. Now, Theron and some of the other Alliance were there ahead of us. So our goal initially is to fight our way through Voska and meet up with them. And after complaining about the previous chapters in *Knights of the Fallen Empire* having too much trash and too many sky, uh, sky troopers, how do they fix things? They throw every model of sky trooper available at us in this first chapter. You know, except this time around, it's actually kind of fun, and it works given the context of this a bit, a bit invasion. Uh, There's a side quest to rescue some Voss Commandos. It's easy, so you should just do it. Uh, There's a side quest to rescue some people in the Judicial Quarter, which, of course, Lana protests, but not like she did with the reactor in Knights of the Fallen Empire. So, again, it's easy. Just do it. And then as we make our way to Theron, Valkorian arrives. So he finally shows up, and he says, We've completed our training and deposed Arkin, but we screwed up and let Valen take over the throne, and we now have work to do. Uh, one of the conversation options you have is you can ask him where he has been, to which he says he's been walking among the stars, which, as we'll learn in later chapters, is a bunch of BS. But I like that conversation option more so than than any of the others. And then he sort of gives us more veiled warnings, and it's clear at this point that anything other than focusing on Valen and taking over the Eternal Throne is a distraction. So, eventually we do make it to Theron, and then there's this funny moment where Theron shoots a Skytrooper and says, you know, I aim to please, and Lana retorts, next time aim to kill, as the droid wasn't quite dead, and Lana has to finish it off. Just, Just a fun moment that I liked. And then next, we face off against the Horizon Guard. This is Valen's execution squad, sort of a more elite form of knights, although they certainly don't feel that way and are pretty easy to dispatch, certainly in story mode. Uh, Sienna Ray is there, and when you talk to her, you have the option to poke fun at the notion of prophecy. And again, I like this conversation a lot because it's how Arkin felt. I believe at one point in Knights of the Fallen Empire, he says, I am beyond prophecy. So it's an option that moves the story in a direction where we are becoming more like him, more like Arkin, And that's a little dangerous, right? Because we are becoming the thing that we are fighting against. So again, I just like that conversation option and sort of the flavor it adds to the story at this point and to our own character, the Outlander. So now we reach a critical point in the chapter as Senya Enters the picture. And she's on boss, as I said, trying to heal Arkan. And it's the reason, of course, why Valen is attacking boss. And so we now know this. And then sort of out of the blue, Senya asks us for our help in saving Arkan. So she's at the shrine of healing. So it is off to the shrine we go to either decide we're going to, uh, try and, you know, forgive Senya or try and take her and Arkan out. And then at this point, you know, we cut to Valen and Scorpio who are chatting, and Valen realizes now that the Outlander is also on Voss, which means her father is on Voss. so now she's more than determined, determined than ever uh, to win the battle. Uh, so And then as we head to the shrine, uh, Torian and the Mandos provide us with a walker named Stormrider, and of course this is the little vehicle portion of the chapter. I kind of enjoyed it. I think the walker was fun. It just moves a little slow. But uh, in terms of the abilities, it has a, a gravity mine, which you can use to sort of clump up uh, the various Sky Troopers. And then you have missiles to blow them up when they're all clumped together. And then you have a stomp ability um, to, to crush them underfoot, as well as some standard turbo lasers. And in fact, there are some shielded Sky Troopers that you can only kill by, by crushing. So I said, it's fun. It just moves a little slow. And then there are some pit crews scattered about if you need repairs. So, also at this point, we reach another kind of critical juncture and enter Koth and the gravestone. Now, depending on whether or not you uh, pissed him off and he chose to leave with the Alliance or whether or not he just sort of decided to abscond with the uh, gravestone, uh, I guess at the end of chapter 16, kind of determines the conversation and the tone of the conversation. Um, and it's much more comp- surly and confrontational if Koth abandoned the cause. And it's actually more, it actually fits better with what's going on. But, uh, otherwise I would say it's a little less confrontational, if not more awkward. And it said it definitely works better if he left the cause versus, you know, him just stealing the gray stone. But either way, Koth is up in space wreaking havoc on the Eternal Fleet. So eventually we, we reach Senya and Valen calls in and she sort of gives a little background on, uh. A previous run-in she had with Senya, and of course, this is what we saw in the cinematic. Um, and Ord Mantel, and it's also, if you recall, um, it was also the focus of a short story by Drew Carpashin that was posted on the Sword Tour official site prior to the release of Knights of the Eternal Throne. So she just makes, uh, reference to that. And then at this point, Valcorian shows up yet again, and he really tries to goad us into destroying Archon and Bate Arkin. Basically saying, hey, look, if you let him get healed, if you let him regain his strength, he's only going to try and retake the throne, and it's going to be a problem for us. And this is really the first major choice, significant choice, that we encounter in Knights of the Eternal Throne, and that is save Arkhan or kill Arkan. And it's not just killing Arkhan, by the way. If you choose that option, it also means killing Senya. And I have a hard time making the choice to kill Senya. I've officially done it once, but I think moving forward, I'll most certainly choose the forgiveness and redemption route. And here's why. The Star Wars universe is full of bad parents. Just look at the movies and you'll see that they're terrible. And not the movies. I mean, they're, gr- I mean, the parents. I mean, they're great characters. They're great heroes. They're just not great parents. I mean, look at Padme. And I read a blog post just just this weekend where someone was asking the Lucasfilm story group if they'll ever release an official explanation on how Padme died. And you know what? There is no explanation coming because it's clearly spelled out in Revenge of the Sith. The medical droids say, Medically, she is completely healthy. For reasons we can't explain, we are losing her. We don't know why. She has lost the will to live. And unless the Lucasfilm wants to revisit this, which I doubt, this is how she died, and we hate it because it makes her a bad mom, right? She loved Anakin and the Republic more than she did her children. The birth of these twins should have filled her with love and joy and purpose and the will to live, but no, she took her ball and went home. And Lyra Urso from Rogue One is another mom I have issues with. So, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Rogue One, I'm going to get into detail about Lyra's actions in the beginning of that film. And here we go. In the opening, Krennic and his death troopers arrive to take Galen, Erso, and his family away. And Galen and Lyra obviously knew that this could happen, and they had an escape plan that involved Lyra and her daughter, Jin getting themselves to safety. So what happened? Well, instead of focusing on the safety of her daughter, Lyra decides to go save her husband, and in doing so, she gets herself killed and her daughter is left in the care of Saul Guerrera, a terrorist who abandons her when she's 16. I mean, seriously, what kind of mom does that to her child? And I could go on and on with more examples from the films, but I have digressed too much already. But let me just say that as a kid, I dreamed of living in a galaxy far, far away. And I'm sure that if I did, I would have become a great hero in spite of my parents, not because of them. So what the heck does this have to do with Senya? Well, everything, because Senya is the complete opposite. And at the end of Knights of the Fallen Empire, I was upset that she betrayed us. But looking at her in the context of being a parent and juxtaposed against other parents in the Star Wars universe, she's a shining light willing to sacrifice everything to save her children. Well, Arkin, mostly and she 's unwavering and uncompromising in her role as a mother, and so, as a character, I admire her for this and it 's why i don 't like killing her and If you choose to kill Arkin, then you get to fight Senya where you ultimately kill her and what 's interesting it 's actually it 's actually handled quite well, and as she 's there dying, she asks to speak to Valkorian, and he obliges in 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 what is one of the more touching moments we 've seen. In the entire story as a whole, he actually and and very sincerely comforts her in her final moments. And then in one of the final conversation moments that you have with Senna, you get to ask her why she died for Arkin. And she responds to give him hope. And it's a extremely extraordinarily touching gift and hope is one of those themes that really comes to the surface with star wars and it's the last thing we hear in rogue one as a matter of fact and so senya is the ultimate mom right up into the end and oh by the way if you do kill senya and uh valen goes absolutely bonkers over the fact that you stole her kill now if you decide to let arkin live then Senya will sacrifice herself to heal Arkin. She doesn't die, but she comes close to it. Again, just another instance of Senya being an amazing mom. Now, no matter which option you choose, Arkin kind of regains a little bit of strength, and he tries to escape, and then you go and you run after him. Now, if you're trying to uh, make him your ally... You try and get his attention, but then he sees Valkorian kind of standing there in, in the shadows, and he says, well, you are not alone, and then he runs. Meanwhile, if you opted to kill him, then you try and attack, but he still gets away. And then at this point, you radio to Koth to stop Archon, but he refuses to help. And again, if uh, Koth abandoned the alliance, he basically says, screw you, fight your own battles. Otherwise, he just says, "Hey, I've got my own issues," and he actually does have his own issues with the the gravestone. So he's he's not necessarily unwilling; he's just unable. But either way, Arkin escapes at this point in time. So now, as the space battle rages on, the Sith Empire enters the fray, and with their new free will, the Eternal Fleet captains decide to flee at this point, and then they leave the battle and it ends. We are then contacted by Empress Sina, and she invites us to Kos to discuss a potential alliance. Then Valkorian appears yet again and reflects upon everything that just happened, and there are a few good conversation options here, but my favorite is to ask him about his own desire to retake the throne, and he basically says something to the effect of, my time has passed, only you can take the eternal throne, and of course we'll see later on that he is full of crap. So, And with that, the chapter ends with us heading to Dromancas, and I will discuss that next week as I cover Chapter 2, Run for the Shadows, which, by the way, is one of my favorite chapters in the Eternal Throne. So overall, I thought Chapter 1, Wrath and Ruin, was a good introduction uh, to the Knights of the Eternal Throne story. It kind of picked up where things left off. It reintroduced us to the various characters, characters and, and brought everybody back and then began to move things forward. We had some very big choices to make regarding Arkin and Senya. Uh, mechanically, we had a cool encounter where we got to hop in a walker and just stomp around and blow things up. So I thought it was pretty good. It was, it, it, it was, it was a good chapter and I enjoyed it. And of course it le- leads into chapter two, Run for the Shadows, which I thought was an even better chapter. And I will cover that next week. But for now, I think, uh, That's about all I have for today, so let's kind of cue up the music and say that can mean only one thing. You have managed to survive another half hour, give or take, listening to episode 20 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout. You can also listen to the show directly from the show site, which is currently SotorPodcast.com. And there is an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at sotorpodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at sotorpodcast, and be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the podcast and things that I'm blogging about and doing in-game. And finally, you can look for episode 21 on January seventeenth, two 2017. And remember, the Sith code cake is alive.